Before tonight's episode, I want to let you know about our supporters feed, Get Sleepy Premium, the best way to experience the show and get a good night's sleep. With Get Sleepy Premium, everything is ad-free. You'll receive a bonus episode every week and have full access to our entire back catalogue. Your support really helps and means so much to us. Simply tap the link in the show notes to learn more. Now, a quick word from our sponsors who make it possible for us to bring you two free episodes each week. Welcome to Get Sleepy, where we listen, we relax, and we get sleepy. My name's Thomas, and it's such a pleasure to be your host. Thanks for tuning in. Tonight, we'll take a relaxing trip to the beautiful city of Florence in Italy. This small city was once a major world power and the center of a cultural revolution, the Renaissance. As you explore the streets and discover the art and architecture, you'll soon understand what makes Florence so special. Let's get nicely settled in for the night ahead. All you need to concern yourself with right now is ensuring you're comfortable in bed and that you've put any physical distractions to one side. With your eyes gently closed, Just begin to slow your breathing to a pace that suits you, allowing the air to flow in steadily and relaxing the muscles as it flows back out. If you're finding that thoughts are coming and going with a fair bit more frequency than you'd like, I have a suggestion for you to try. Seeing as blocking out thoughts or telling your mind to be quiet doesn't tend to work too well, I think it's better to accept that your mind wants to continue doing its job even when you're laying in bed, but to give it a simple, calming task to focus on instead of the swells of thoughts that can feel overwhelming. So, for the next few moments, I'd like you to try visualizing a familiar journey that brings you back to your home. This could be a walk, a bike ride, a car journey so long as it's a route that you know well and one that returns you to the comfort of home. Wherever you're starting this journey from, just picture the scene around you in your imagination. As you move along, Think about the things you see and the sounds drifting through the air. Step by step, or with each turn of a wheel, the scene develops around you, taking you that bit closer to home. Notice if there are any smells in the air that stand out. Do certain parts of the route conjure memories of times gone by? And how does all of it make you feel? Allow your imagination to guide you along the familiar route 
back home. An experience that will be entirely unique to you and only you. And as you approach home now, think about how it feels to know you're so close to the place where you can rest and recharge. When you eventually arrive, open the door and step inside, paying attention to the way that makes you feel as well. This visualization is one you can use whenever you like, and you can take that journey again in your own time. But for now, you're home, and you can relax. So allow your imagination to take you on a new journey, perhaps one that is less familiar, but no less peaceful and relaxing. Imagine that you're on holiday in Florence, and you're walking along the stone streets on your way to see one of the most famous artworks of all time. This is where our story begins. You walk slowly through the entrance of the art gallery, your footsteps echoing on the stone floor. Although you're excited to enter the next room, you take your time, savoring the sense of anticipation. In just a moment, you'll be standing face to face with an icon. You're visiting the Academia Gallery, located in the historic center of Florence. This gallery is home to the most famous statue in the world, Michelangelo's David. As you enter a long hallway lined with sculptures and paintings, you catch your first glimpse. The enormous statue is right at the end of the hall, standing on a plinth. Michelangelo's masterpiece depicts the biblical hero, David. He is a muscular young man, standing tall and looking to the side with an intense expression on his face. In one hand, David holds a slingshot. He's preparing for his battle with the giant Goliath. You walk closer, keen to admire the artwork in more detail. David is so famous that he feels strangely familiar. You've seen his image everywhere on posters, in books, and on countless souvenirs. It feels surreal to see him in person, a little like meeting a celebrity. But although you feel like you know the statue, nothing compares to seeing it in person. David is larger than life. He stands 17 feet tall, towering over the visitors who stand below him. 
As you join the crowd, you find yourself comparing the experience to a concert. David is on a stage with his admiring fans gazing up at him. Michelangelo's magnificent sculpture is so powerful and so full of energy. You can't help but think of David as a person rather than an artwork. It's easy to imagine him coming to life, stepping down from his pedestal. Of course, David is an idealized representation of the human form. His incredible height and perfect physique aren't exactly realistic, and certain details are exaggerated or out of proportion. Perhaps this was intentional to make them more visible for people viewing the statue from the ground. Yet, despite this, there's something remarkably real about David. You notice the soft curves of his muscles and the detailed outlines of the veins on his hand. Then there's his face, full of expression and emotion. With his furrowed brow and intense gaze, he seems so human. How incredible, you think, that David was created from a single block of marble. Michelangelo began work on David in the year 1501, when he was just 26 years old. At the time, city officials were wondering what to do with a gigantic slab of poor quality marble. A couple of artists had already tried to turn it into a sculpture without success. The young Michelangelo had already created other sculptures in his native Florence. He'd also carved the famous statue of Jesus lying in Mary's lap which is now on display in St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. But sculpting David was his greatest challenge yet, and ended up as one of his most noteworthy achievements. He spent three years working on this sculpture, chipping away at the rough block of marble. According to your guidebook, there's a beautiful quote attributed to Michelangelo. In a letter, the artist wrote something along these lines. I saw the angel in the marble and carved until I set it free. As you continue to admire the statue, walking around it, so you can appreciate every detail. You reflect on this idea, setting free the angel in the marble. It's such a beautiful concept, and it goes beyond this specific statue. There's something profound about the idea of the artist's role, setting free their creation. The artwork is then out there in the world, free to be discovered by anyone and everyone. The city of Florence is full of beautiful creations like David, just waiting to be discovered. There's more to see in the Academia too including some other marble statues by Michelangelo, known as the Prisoners. The figures seem to push their way out of the stone, seeking to free themselves. 
you spend some more time exploring the gallery, admiring other Renaissance artworks. But after a while, you decide it's time to move on. Masterpieces like these are best enjoyed a bit at a time. You remember reading about an unusual phenomenon in Florence. While visiting the sites, the French author Stendhal was so overcome with emotion that he started to feel faint. Ever since, the term Stendhal syndrome has been used to describe the intense feelings that some visitors experience in Florence. It's easy to feel a little overwhelmed here. This small city has so much history and amazing art and architecture everywhere you look. So it's best to take it slow, absorbing one thing at a time. Perhaps you'll go to another gallery tomorrow. But for now, you're ready to explore the city streets, wandering aimlessly through the historic center. Outside, it's a warm, sunny afternoon. But there's a pleasant breeze in the air, carrying the scent of jasmine and tantalizing smells from nearby restaurants. Florence feels relaxed and laid back. It's more like a quiet town than a bustling city, with most people getting around on foot or by bike, and no one's rushing. People walk slowly here, taking their time so they can appreciate the beauty all around them. You find yourself slowing down too, keeping pace with the city. As you stroll down a narrow street, you admire the elegance of the old buildings, which are mostly three or four stories high. Most are painted similar shades of pale yellow, cream, or gray while the wooden shutters on the windows are brown or dark green. Everything matches beautifully, and the color scheme helps to create a sense of tranquility and flow. One building merges seamlessly into the next, and the winding streets flow on and on. During your walk, you catch occasional glimpses of the Duomo, the gigantic dome of the cathedral, which stands in the heart of Florence. Every now and then, the dome appears at the end of a street, like some vast, magical apparition. part of you is tempted to walk towards it, to admire this majestic building up close. But you also like the idea of leaving it for now. You'll save it for later, as a kind of treat. Right now, you're happy to just wander, without stopping to look at anything in particular you're absorbing it all, meandering through the shady streets. Everywhere you go, there's a historic building or statue, or a sign commemorating some famous event or person. It's like walking through an open-air museum. You remember reading that in medieval times, Florence was one of the most important financial centers in Europe. 
the city's connection to the Mediterranean Sea through the Arno River facilitated international trade. Florence was famous worldwide for its wool and luxury textiles, and busy merchants made their fortune. At around this time, in the 14th century, Florence became the center of the Renaissance, a word that means rebirth. The Renaissance was a cultural movement with innovation in art, science, philosophy, and many other fields. Great thinkers took inspiration from the past, such as the culture of ancient Greece. But intellectuals were also looking forward, making exciting new discoveries and finding new ways of thinking. It was a time of extraordinary innovation, and Florence was at the center of it all. It was the home to the astronomer Galileo, whose discoveries were the foundation for modern science. The great artist and scientist Leonardo da Vinci also lived in this storied place. In fact, many of the great artists of all time worked in Florence in roughly the same period, including Michelangelo and Botticelli. It's amazing, you think, just how many important people lived and worked in this city. Was it just a coincidence, or was there something special about Florence? An answer to this question arrives just a moment later, in the form of a building. You're standing in a square facing a grand, castle-like structure its distinctive bell tower adorned with a clock. This is Palazzo Vecchio, a name which translates as Old Palace. Even by Florence standards, it's old, as it dates back to the 13th century. This building was originally one of the residences of the Medici family. The Medici were a banking dynasty. For generations, they were one of the most powerful, rich, and influential families in Europe. There are many buildings in Florence associated with the Medici, but Palazzo Vecchio is one of the most striking. For a moment, you just stand there, gazing up at the imposing brick facade. Then you turn to your guidebook to learn more about the family who once lived here. One of the most interesting aspects of the Medici is their cultural influence. Due to their immense wealth, they were able to commission works from some of the most brilliant artists of the time, including Botticelli, Michelangelo, and Raphael. The Medici were also the patrons of Leonardo da Vinci, Galileo, and the architect Brunelleschi, who built the dome of the cathedral in Florence. The support of this powerful family is an intriguing common denominator. But of course, it can't be quite that simple. In Renaissance Florence, 
so many different factors came together, creating a vibrant culture and an intellectual atmosphere that allowed talented people to flourish. You put away your guidebook and continue to stroll through the square, enjoying the warmth of the sun on your skin. This part of the city has such a rich history. In this moment, you're walking in the footsteps of some of the most important and influential people to have ever lived. Yet at the same time, this square is just like any other Italian piazza. There are locals walking their dogs, children playing, and couples strolling hand in hand. In the middle of this historical location, people go about their everyday lives. The contrast is strange in a way, but it also makes the city's history feel less distant and more accessible. You can imagine a sense of continuity throughout the centuries. When you catch a sight of a smartly dressed Italian family, you imagine for a moment they might be descendants of the Medici. Or perhaps the connection between past and present exists in another form, not through family, but through cultural influence. As people continue to visit Florence, finding inspiration in the beautiful art and architecture, the spirit of the Renaissance city lives on. You wander into the shade of a nearby street, where you spot a group of friends enjoying ice cream. Suddenly, you find that you also have a craving for something sweet, and a little further along, on the corner, you come across a gelato shop. There's a whole rainbow of flavors on display. Strawberry, mandarin, lemon, kiwi, blueberry. You're tempted by the chocolatey flavors too, but on this warm afternoon, you feel like something light and fruity. So, you get a cone with two large scoops of creamy lemon gelato. The woman hands you the cone with a smile, explaining that it's made with some of the best lemons in Italy. They're grown in the south, on the Amalfi Coast. As you eat the gelato, you close your eyes for a moment, savoring the delicious, zesty flavor. The cool intensity of the citrus taste seems to transport you away from the city to a sunny lemon grove. You can imagine endless rows of lemon trees in a garden high above the sea. The light blue of the cloudless sky merges beautifully into the dazzling sapphire of the ocean. When you open your eyes, the daydream fades. But this sense of peace stays with you as you continue to eat. It's the taste of summer, you think. Another time, you'll have to venture further south in Italy and visit the place where the lemons grow. 
the gelato is wonderfully refreshing, and the subtle sweetness gives you a light energy boost. Although you're feeling a bit tired, you're happy to walk on, seeing more of this beautiful city. Soon, you find yourself walking down a street with a difference. At first, it seems like an ordinary street, lined with shops on both sides. But when you look into a shop, you can see right through the window on the other side of the building. Beyond, there's a view of the sky and a distant hill crowned with cypress trees. This street is actually a footbridge, the oldest in Florence. Ponte Vecchio crosses the Arno River. Ever since its construction in medieval times, the bridge has been a shopping district. Originally, there were all kinds of shops here, including butchers and fishmongers. But in the 16th century, a Medici duke objected to the marketplace atmosphere. Preferring something a little more refined, he ordered that all the shops be replaced with goldsmiths and jewelers. And it's been that way ever since. Today, as you walk across the bridge, you notice that every window is full of glittering gold. Rings, bracelets, and necklaces. The Medici family also made another significant change to Ponte Vecchio. Back when the bridge was still home to butchers and fishmongers, the Medici ordered the construction of a covered walkway right above the shops. It's known as the Vasari Corridor. This corridor gave the Grand Duke easy access between two buildings. From his palace, he could walk directly to the offices on the other side of the river. That way, he didn't have to mingle with the crowds on the bridge or smell the shops. These days, the Duke's palace and offices are both open to the public. The offices, or uffizi, were converted into the famous art gallery of the same name. According to your guidebook, the Duke's corridor is currently closed to the public, but it's due to reopen soon. As you stand on the bridge, you look up above the shops and notice the row of small windows on the top story. This must be the corridor. You imagine the Duke walking along here on his way to work, enjoying the luxurious privacy of his very own passageway. Although you can't visit the corridor right now, you can enjoy a different kind of luxury. Walking past the jewelry shops, you reach the middle of the bridge, where there's an open space. Here, you can walk right to the edge and admire the view of the river. Standing on the low stone wall, you let your gaze slowly drift. To the left of the river, you can see an elegant old building, the Uffizi Gallery. 
The walls seemed to glow gold in the afternoon sunlight. You notice the line of small windows along the side, and wonder if this is the continuation of the private corridor. Then you find yourself daydreaming about other secret rooms and mysterious windows. There must be so many magical, hidden places in a city like this. The view from the bridge is so perfect, it resembles a well-composed painting. In the middle, there's the tranquil, shimmering river which mirrors the sky. Along both banks, there are rows of beautiful old buildings in shades of cream, gold, and pale orange. And in the distance, you can see another bridge, an ancient tower, and a hill that rises gently. All along the top are tall, thin cypress trees. There's a part of you that longs to go there, to stand on that distant hill and see Florence from another perspective. But as you daydream about the journey, picturing yourself climbing the hill, you realize just how tired you are. After a long day of walking and sightseeing, you're ready to sit down and rest for a while. Fortunately, you're staying in a hotel in the center, and it's just a few streets away. You retrace your steps wandering through the cool shade of the back streets until you reach the hotel. Your room is located on the top floor. It's small but comfortable and decorated with beautiful patterns and fabrics. The curtains look like something from a Medici palace a creamy velvet with intricate floral designs in varying shades of red. This design must be intentional, you think, as a tribute to Florence's history and its famous textile industry. But there's something else that makes this hotel room so special you wanted a room with a view. And here it is. Drawing back the curtains, you open the door and step onto the balcony. Right in front of you, rising up from a sea of terracotta rooftops, is the Duomo, the iconic dome of the cathedral. This vast structure is made of orange-red bricks and is adorned with an ornate lantern made from white marble. And at the very top is a bronze ball and cross. It's the final decorative flourish, like the cherry on the cake. The extraordinary building is the symbol of Florence, and it also represents the spirit of the Renaissance. You remember reading about the construction of the dome, which was designed by Brunelleschi. Building work on the Florence Cathedral had begun in the year 1296, 
but more than a century later, it remained unfinished. In 1418, the city decided that it was time to find an architect who was up to the challenge of designing a huge, self-supporting dome. There was disagreement about how it should be done, and who should get the commission. Brunelleschi was a local goldsmith who'd never built anything, but he had a vision for the dome, and he also had the support of the Medici family. And, according to legend, Brunelleschi found an unusual way to convince the panel of commissioners. During the meeting, he suggested that the project should go to the architect who could make an egg stay upright, standing on its end. An egg was passed around the table from person to person, but of course, no one could make the egg stay upright. Each time, it rolled over. When it was Brunelleschi's turn, he took the egg and tapped it against the table, breaking the shell. The egg stayed upright, and he got the commission. Whether or not the story is true, there's no doubt that Brunelleschi was an amazingly innovative architect. The dome is an incredible feat of engineering, consisting of more than four million bricks. Even today, it's the world's largest brick and mortar dome. As you stand on the balcony, admiring the magnificent building in front of you, you think of the story of the egg and smile. Just like Michelangelo, who saw the angel in the marble, Brunelleschi also saw something extraordinary in the everyday. Perhaps this was something that the Renaissance geniuses of Florence all had in common. You're feeling thirsty after your long walk, so you head inside the room and pour yourself a glass of mineral water from the fridge. Then you go back onto the balcony and sit down in the comfortable lounge chair. As you sip the cool water, feeling relaxed and refreshed, you continue to gaze at the beautiful dome. In the golden light of late afternoon, it reminds you of the setting sun. Everything about this place is so perfect, you think. The view of the dome and the surrounding rooftops. The evocative, high-pitched calls of the swifts as they soar through the sky. And the scent of jasmine from a nearby terrace. Breathing in, you savor this rich, perfumed fragrance. At this time of day, with evening approaching, the scent of jasmine somehow seems stronger, more intense. Or perhaps you're just more aware of it than before. Your senses heightened after a day immersed in the beauty of Florence. Whatever the reason, you find yourself 
relishing the scent now. You continue to slowly breathe in and out, gazing at the dome. The red bricks seem to merge into the soft golden light glowing at the edges. As you watch the light gradually fade, you treasure every moment. Sitting here on the balcony, you feel so fortunate. You've had a wonderful day in Florence, and now you can rest here for as long as you like simply enjoying the view.